went out. And the Lord was asking for a servant that would come to the city of Atlanta. And there was a reluctant young man who, in the beginning of his ministry, didn't want to be a pastor. But after his conversion, became a third generation pastor. Because God was relentless and he wanted that specific man for this particular call. Aren't you glad that this man received this call? Would you welcome Bishop Flynn Johnson? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Isn't that interesting? I, I didn't expect that, but so be it. Uh, I want you to be bold right now and for whomever this is for. Uh, uh, this was a process the Lord took me through. And uh, I want to acknowledge what he's doing. For those of you that know you have a distinct call, not just to ministry in all its various forms, but you feel like God's called you to do what I'm doing in some form or fashion. If that's you, since it's you, raise your hand if you know it inside, but you had not acknowledged it yet. Raise it higher so I can see it. I want everybody who's standing around you to turn around and look at them. <laughs> and look at them. Look at them. Gene, don't be, don't be stingy. Don't be stingy. I want, I want, I want to see that. Know what to do with those who have their hands raised. Oh, hallelujah! If they, have, they have, if they have their hands up, and you're near them, would you just very, um, very gently lay your hands upon them? And Father, I just thank you for the power and the courage to fulfill our purpose. I thank you for the open door. I thank you for the right relationships and connections. I thank you, Heavenly Father. For what you started, you are able to finish. You are the door that we don't have to force open. You open and no man shuts it. And I thank you for the open doors. I thank you for validation. I thank you for the proper training and preparation. I give you praise and I give you thanks for this. In the mighty name of Jesus, clap your hands like your hands on fire and give him praise. Amen. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. God is well able. Amen. I'm a witness. Amen. Today, um, for your um, surprise and for your edification today, I, I, I want to bring to the stage the person who's delivering the word of the Lord today. And I want you to receive uh, receive him as you would receive all who stand in this pulpit. Please, would you welcome Pastor Christopher Flynn Johnson. Can you lift your hands to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am. Father, we worship you.
with our hearts, with our lives. Father, we give our hearts to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We surrender our lives to you. God, there is nothing that's better than you. You are the answer to every problem, to every challenge, to every prayer, to every request. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, we trust you today. Father, I thank you for opening the ears of every person so that they can hear your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening their eyes so they can see themselves how you see them. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you would put your word in their mouth so that they could be effective on the earth in the world. And I thank you, Lord God, for your anointing and your grace on every person today. In Jesus' mighty, holy, powerful, undefeatable name, I pray. Put your hands together and give the Lord Jesus a hand clap. That ain't, that ain't, no, that's weak right there. Because we're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. See, I didn't have time to worship. I wasn't up there worshiping today, so I don't mind taking a second. Can you lift up your mouth, open your voice, and give praise to the King of Kings. Give glory to the Lord of Lords. Something happens on the inside of you when you give him the glory that he's due. God, we worship you. We give you honor. We give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are good. You are good. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Oh, my goodness. I, I, Lord, I, there is something special about Chris Smith. Lord, have mercy. What a gift. What a gift. That, his voice, his, his gift. There's something special about the way he pulls things together. Hallelujah. Can you give a clap of praise and... And thank the Lord for Chris Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm Pastor Christopher Johnson. I'm Bishop, Bishop Johnson's son, uh, Lady Carolyn's son. Uh, my, uh, I have a, I have a wonderful, beautiful, amazing, gorgeous mm, 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 mm. wife, who is mine, all mine. And uh, her name is Toya Johnson. I just want to honor her uh, this morning. She's uh, picking up my daughter, Siani, from Florida. So they're, you know, they're together in Florida. They're having a great time. And I'm um, here with my son, uh, Christopher Johnson. We get to hang out. Uh, it's no girls in the house, so we get to do what we want to do. Until the girls come back, you know. Here we got to clean up, you know. <laughs> um, Bishop Johnson, oh, thank, I, want to, I also want to thank Bishop Johnson. Oh, man. Mm, 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 mm. Because of his example of, uh, of a godly father to me and my family, and because of the man that he is, I am who I am because of you, Dad. I just want to take a minute and honor you and tell you to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart for setting the precedence of a godly family and a, and a, and a priesthood family and teaching me how to be a man, a priest in my own home and establish the altar of God in my own home. I learned that from watching you and all of us get the privilege 
of learning these things from Bishop Johnson. Can you stand to your feet for one second, please, and honor the man of God, the, the voice, the mouthpiece of God for us. Honor Bishop Johnson. Our bishop, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, sir. His integrity is, is, is uh, he's dope. He's a dope dad. I got a dope example. Uh, yeah, he started this thing on the family altar, and, and uh, it's really been burning. It's really been burning in his heart, and my heart caught a fire because, oh, thank you. <laughs> it was not going on my nose. <laughs> uh, my heart caught a fire because uh, nothing is more important than family. Did you hear that last week? Nothing is more important than family. And, and uh, we have the opportunity to, to engage in the series that he's begun, began, the, the, fa the family altar. And that's what I want to talk about today. And uh, he told me I'm on the time limit, so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stay on track <laughs> and give this word. Uh, okay, the family altar, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Fire on the family altar. Fire on the family altar. So, uh, what is the family altar? Uh, I was looking for uh, examples of, of, of stories in the Bible of characters who, uh, who built a family altar. And uh, I ran across a couple. The first one I came across was Noah. Uh, Noah built an altar to thank the Lord after he spared his family from the flood. God found it pleasing and responded to Noah's actions with a promise that he would never again destroy all living things with the flood. And this is in Genesis 8, 21. That's Noah. Noah, Noah was, was one of the first people that built an altar to say thank you to God for sparing he and his family's life. Uh, the second uh, example of, of someone in the, in the Bible I, I ran across was uh, Abraham. Abraham built an altar in the place where God made an everlasting covenant with him, giving him the land of promise of his fam of his f for his family and descendants forever. And this is in Genesis 12 and 7. Jacob was another person. After he wrestled with the Lord, realized the goodness of God and called for his household to cleanse themselves of all their foreign gods. The next day built an altar to God of his fathers, commemorating that place where he had experienced this life-changing encounter. This is in Genesis uh, 35, 1 and 7. Joshua was another person who after he defeated uh, Joshua in, in the battle of Jericho, he was another peace pr person who built an altar and worshiped God after, after the Lord uh, helped him and in, in defeated the battle for his foe, you know, uh, over the, what was the name of that army? Uh, Joseph in the battle of Jericho. It was the, what was the enemy's name? 
the, the, he defeated he defeated Jericho. He defeated Jericho. So he worshipped God by setting an altar, by building an altar, and and uh, and that's where he thanked God. Okay, and and so I ran across this this another story that I, I thought it was pretty pretty interesting, and and I just just came across this one. Uh, it's it's about Samuel. Samuel leads Israel into victory. You know who Samuel was, right? Samuel was the prophet that laid hands that anointed David. And uh, so he was, a, he was a powerful prophet in, in, uh, in the, in the uh, that led the, that led the he, was, he was an elder in the Israelite army. He was very esteemed. He was a prophet in the, in the, in the Israelites, for the Israelites. And so uh, I'll, I'll go to the text. It says 1 Samuel 7, 3 through 12, right? Then Samuel said to all of the people of Israel, if you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and images of Astoreth. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. The Philistines were trying to kill the Israelites. Right? So the Israelites got rid of all of, of their image, images of Baal, and Astoreth and worshipped only the Lord. Then, then Samuel told them, I'm going to stop right there. What are the idols that you need to get rid of? I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. I just want to briefly mention that. He said, get rid of all your idols and put only God first. What is, do you, do you, do you, can you identify with idols, things that you have put in your heart that take the place of God, some things that you put before God by show of hands? I like it, I like it, I like it, I like, it. I like your honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, get rid of your images. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. A story, uh, I say, obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of the images of Baal and Estoreth and worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel told them, gather all of Israel to Miz Mizpah. And I will pray to the Lord for us. So they gathered at Mizpah, and a great ceremony, in a great ceremony, drew water from the well and poured it out before the Lord. They poured that water out before the Lord. Then, then also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. So they got rid of their idols. They poured, poured water out before the Lord. And, and, they, and they admitted the places where they had put idols before God, okay? It was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. When the Philistine rulers heard that the Israelites gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. Now they want to kill him, right? They want to kill him, right? So the Israelites were badly frightened. They were scared, right? When they learned that the Philistines were approaching, don't stop pleading with the Lord, our God, to save us from the Philistines. They begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole offering, as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded to the Lord to help Israel. And the Lord answered him, just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke in a mighty voice of thunder from heaven. 
He spoke in a mighty voice of thunder for heaven. How, how is that? Is that okay? <laughs> what did he say? What did he say? From heaven. And that day, and the Philistines were thrown in, into such confusion that the Israelites were defeated. The men of Israel chased them and placed it between, wait, 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 say chased them from Mizpah. They, they got them out, chased them out of Mizpah to a place below Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Samuel took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshana. He named it Ebenezer, which means rock of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Oh man, I love, I love that, that word Ebenezer. So, so, so when, when, when Samuel defeated his enemy, when Samuel defeated his foe, he built an altar to the Lord to say thank you. And that place they called Ebenezer, which means rock of help. God is our rock. Aren't you glad you're standing on, on the rock today? <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you glad that God is our helper? He's a helper, isn't he? That same rock was probably the rock that, that, that David threw to hit the stone in, in the Goliath's head, right? He's our rock. He is our strong foundation. Uh, uh, so, so, so Samuel, that was a picture of Samuel. He was one of the first people who demonstrated uh, teaching Israel how to build a family altar, how to build an altar, right? Okay, what is an altar? An altar is a special area in a house of worship. An altar is a special area in a house of worship where people can honor God with offerings, offerings of prayer, offerings of praise, offerings of thanks, offerings of fasting, offerings of, of seeking the Lord, offerings of joy, offerings of peace, offering, offerings of lament, offerings of sorrow, offerings of loss, offerings of, of anger, offerings of, of frustration, offerings of, of... An altar is where you bring everything to the Lord. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your time, all of your attention, all of your concerns, your future, your dreams, your hope, your passions, your family, every part of your life. That's where the altar is where you bring all of those things to the Lord. The good things, the bad things, <laughs> your successes, your failures, everything you bring to the altar of the Lord. It is prominent in the Bible as God's table, the table of the Lord, a sacred place for sacrifices and gifts offered up to God. The altar is where we alter up sacrifices to God and we believe him and we watch him win our battles we watch him defeat our enemies 
We watch him do what we can't do. What is a family altar? Are you still with me? You still here? You tracking so far? Is this okay? You understand it? Now, don't go to sleep on me now. I'll start yelling and all that stuff. <laughs> all right. So family, a family altar. What is the family altar? The family altar is a place of relationships. That's the first thing, a place of relationships. A family altar is a place of relationship, a place of communion. It's a, it's a place of, of communion with God, uh, koinonia. Uh, koinonia is, is being in relationship with someone, in a covenant with someone that says, I have your back no matter what. We are joined together no matter what. A blood covenant which says, I will never walk away from you, even if I get mad with you. Because you know, a relationship, that happens. You know, there's conflict and people get mad with one another. You know, even if I get mad with you, I will not walk away from you. And this is the kind of relationship that is in a family altar. What's a family altar? A place of relationship. This is an, an this is the act of worshiping, sharing, and working together. The table of the Lord is an altar. God admonished us not to partake, not to partake in two tables, the Lord's table and Satan's table. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 21. No man can serve, no woman, no man can serve two masters. This means you have to make a decision. Who you're going to live for, who you're going to serve, who you're going to dine with. Are you going to live a God-disciplined life? Or are you going to live a Satan-centered emotional life. You have to make a decision who you're going to commune with, who you're going to live with, who you're going to be in relationship with, who you're going to eat with, who you're going to drink with. You're going to drink at God's table or you're going to drink at the enemy's table. You have a choice. When you're at the Lord's table, there is fullness of joy. There is hope. There is deliverance, there is peace, there is forgiveness, there is healing, there is relational unity, there is restoration in the family, there is success, there is good life on earth according to John 10, good life on earth at the table of the Lord. I suggest that you be at the table of the Lord. It, it is a place of relationship. The family altar is a place of relationship. The, the family altar, which is the table of the Lord, is a place of relationship. That was number one. Okay, number two. The family altar is a place of critical conversations. It is a place for critical con conversations. Psalms 3, uh, excuse me, Psalms 78, excuse me, Psalms 78, 4 through 7. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and his wonders he has done. 
so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. This passage emphasizes the transmission of faith and spiritual knowledge from one generation to another. It suggests the need for intentional communication and sharing of God's works within the family. Fellowship uh, with, 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 within, within the family, within the family. Uh, critical conversations, the table, the family, the family altar is a place for critical conversations. Um, my father would have these awkward moments. Um, <laughs> he would ask us a question at a table. He would wait till we got at the eating table and it would be these awkward moments and he would ask us these questions. He would be like, so what do you believe in God for? Like everybody's laughing, having a good time, and, and here comes dad, he's busting out with this question, right? So what do you believe in God for? And we're like, in the back of our minds, I'm looking at my sister and my brother like, oh Lord, here we go, another sermon, you know. <laughs> he's gonna tell us something that we, we about to be in another sermon. So he would ask us these questions, and, at the, and, at, and in those conversations, we would talk about what we would believe in God for. And it was, it was an uncomfortable space, I could only imagine for him, but he didn't care because he knew that if he asked these questions, that something very special was going to happen. So one of the first things that he asked me, he said, he said, he said what, what do you believe in God for? And I said out of my mouth, I said, I believe in God for better grades. And at the time, I was struggling with education. I was struggling. My self-confidence wasn't, 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 wasn't uh, top tier. I wasn't, I wasn't at the, uh, I didn't see myself at the head of the pack. I was a natural born leader, but I didn't see myself that way. So I struggled in, in, in education where, where learning is concerned. So, so I, my grades weren't that great. And, and so, we, so we prayed as a family for better grades. And when we did that, and we believed God, I got all A's. This was in my early education. And from that point on, I got straight A's. And this was a demonstration to me that that when the father asks questions about what you need, it, it, it helps you to identify the need that you have in your heart and to give those things to the father and believe for those things. It helps your faith. And it also encourages other family members to pray for whatever you're believing for with you. There was another thing we were believing God for. Now, all of us, me, Tiffany, and Matthew, were believing God for a dog, right? We wanted a dog. And my dad was like, I don't want no doggone dog because it's a child, because they eat, and they urinate, and they poop. You know, it's another child. It's a whole responsibility. And you got to walk it. And you got to get it clipped. And you got to go get it, you know, make sure his heart's good. And all this, you know, you got to say, there's so many different responsibilities that you have to, you know, taking care of the dog. I can only imagine what my, what my dad was thinking. My wife and my kids want a dog. No, I'm telling you that my wife and my kids want a dog. I don't want no dog on dog. I don't want no dog because they, they urinate in the house. They poop, you know, it's a whole nother thing. You got to clip them. So I'm like, Lord, I don't want no dog. 
So here's, here's what he, he, he did. No, here's what mom, was it mom? Did mom tell us to do that? Oh, no, it was dad. It was dad who told us to go get a dog dish. So we bought a dog dish, right? About believing in God. He preached a message about faith, believing in God. So we bought a dog dish, right? We bought a dog dish, and he said, go get a leash. And so we would pray at the family altar. We would pray about this dog, right? We bought the leash, and we bought the, bought the bowl, right? So, so we're praying about this dog, and he could tell the level of our faith by the sound of our prayer. He could hear our heart by the sound of the prayer. He was the person who was going to buy the dog, but he was helping us to believe. He was helping our faith in God. Right? You see that? My natural father was helping my belief in God by, by, uh, by buying tools of faith and helping me to believe for this dog. Right? So when, so when, so when the prayers got fervent enough, dad bought the dog. The dog's, it was a German shepherd. The dog's name was Butch Tony Johnson. It was the craziest dog in the world. This dog used to kill squirrels. We had a pile of squirrels in the corner. This dog would run all the way. Neil found the dog at South DeKalb Mall and brought the dog home. <laughs> Butch Tony Johnson. We believed God for a dog and we received a dog. Uh, there was another thing that we believed at the family altar. Uh, we believed God for a car. We, had, we used to drive a Buick. It was a black Buick and it had a red stripe on it. It was clean. It had red, it had red leather guts, right? It, it was a four-seater. And one time, Dad was going fast, and we said, faster, 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 faster. And he ended up getting the ticket. And you remember that, that, that black Buick, right? It was, it was awesome. So the car, the black, black Buick, we rolled that black Buick everywhere, all in the same car. We were all together until the wheels fell off. Yep, and then, and then we, got a, we, what did we get after that, a van? We got a van after that, right? We rolled that van until the wheels fell off. We needed, we needed a car that was, we were like, Lord, we need something that's not going to break down. So we were believing the Lord for a car. So around the family altar, we prayed for a new car. And we, put our, we petitioned the Lord for this car, and the Lord supplied us. We watched God give us a red four-door Lexus. 400. Anybody remember that car? Remember that car? Yep, yep, yep. And, and the, Lord gave, the, Lord, the Lord gave us that car. And you know, Lexus, that's, that's a good car. That Lexus ran for a long time. Very dependable, huh? Oh, yeah, we used to take that car for a joyride. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> We watched the Lord, we watched the Lord supply us with, with a, that's a luxury car. A 400, that's a luxury car. Wow. I just thought about that. Uh, another issue we had at the family altar, and my father was, was uh, he was instrumental in asking us these specific questions about what we need and what we wanted and stirring our hearts and stirring our faith and stirring, stirring conversation that talked about what 
what we wanted and why we wanted it and, and, and uh, the motive of why we wanted it, you know, if, if it would please God or not. And then there were some times where these, where these emergency situations would happen and we would gather around the family altar. And one time my brother, he was, my sister was riding down the hill, right? She was riding, you know, you know, the 10 speed, you know, 10 speed noise, she's flying down this hill. And my brother is, is standing in the middle of the street. She said, boy, get yourself out the street, boy. Move, Matthew. So he didn't move and the edge of the, the edge of the handlebar hits him in the head, boom and knocks him on the ground, right? So the neighbor rushes out, outside, he saw it, puts Matthew on the ground, and, and uh, so he, roll, he rolls over, Matthew, Matthew's not responding. So he, he was trying to do, do uh, CPR right there, and I'm looking like, what the world is just happening? So uh, in a panic, I can't remember where, how Matthew ended up in the car, but we all ended up in the car, and no, he came in the house first, right? Came in the house first. Because he, did he get up off of the ground? I can't remember if he got up off the ground or not. He, came, he got up and came in the house. And then he wasn't, but he was, he was fuzzy. He was still fuzzy, right? So, so was, did you call him in the house? Mom called his name in the house. She said, Matthew, come here. And he didn't respond. She said, Matthew, I said, come here. You know, you know Lady Carolyn's voice. She got the kind of voice when she go outside, she could say, Matthew, Christopher, Tiffany, Matthew. We can hear her from three blocks away. I ain't lying. And if we didn't hear her, people in the neighborhood would be like, hey, your mama calling you, boy. I promise you. So she, right? That's how we knew to come inside. So she called him and he didn't respond. So she called him again. She said, Matthew, I said, come here. So he starts walking to her and walk right past her. She, she, without fail, she scooped him up, put him in the car, drove him to, what's that corner place on, on, on Wesley Chapel, the, or the urgent care to Wesley Chapel. And, and that's where he had, he started having grandma seizures. You know what a seizure is, right? It's when you, you, you know, your body convulses. Now his body was jumping off of the table his whole body was jumping off the table. And no, we still didn't know what was wrong. We still, we still would, 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 didn't know what was wrong. It was, it was, it was a, an attack on his life. That's when we came to the family altar. We started agreeing in prayer together over Matthew's life. And when we started agreeing, agreeing together over Matthew's life, don't you know that the doctor couldn't find anything? Not a bump, not a lump, not a scratch, not a, a nothing. A, anything that, that notified seizures or anything. Today he is a strong, powerful man of God with his wife and his two kids, and they are loving God, and he is, he is awesome. Yes, yes, give God praise for my brother. Yes. He is who he is because of the prayers at the family altar. Right? There's another, another, uh, another situation that happens real, sm real small. I'll keep, uh, I got a couple more. A couple more. Um, uh, how am I looking on time? Okay, on time? <laughs> uh, uh, we, we were riding that red Lexus for a while now, right? And then the schedule started changing. You know, Matthew was involved in dance, in tap, in jazz, in, in acting, and what else, Tip? 
oh gosh, he had, he had four or five places he had to go. I had basketball, I had uh, track, all kind of stuff. You know, I was, I was doing, Tiffany had basketball, she had, you know, stuff that Judah, Judah Jam practice. She was on the dance team and all this other, other stuff. So she had a whole schedule. Yes, oh yeah, y'all don't know Tiffany was a dancer. Yeah! I can talk about it. Yes, I can. Yep, Tiffany used to say, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, she used to, uh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah. She used to break it down. Tip used to break it down. So we had all of these schedules. Now, we have, that was three different schedules. You got Lady Carolyn's schedule, who all of these women, people are pulling on her. And then you got Bishop Johnson's schedule. And we're all riding in this one car, and, we, and, it's, and it's just too much. So we asked the Lord for a new car. We believe in God for a new car. Tiffany, Tiffany needed a car. So we asked the Lord at the family altar for a new car. And the Lord supplied us with a new car. It was red Acura. Integra. Integra. Acura Integra. Red Acura Integra. You remember that car? You know what that car looks like? It's two doors, right? Two doors and a hatchback. Two front seats and a back, and a back seat, right? I ain't going to tell on you, Tip. <laughs> that car took us all over. We were able to do what we needed to do in that stage of growth. We were able to meet all of the different practices and obligations because of that car, and God supplied that. Uh, we had a building at, at Mercer Street, and we prayed for another building. We, we pray. I can think of so many things. In, at Mercer, we, the bishop was, he was really interested on the education that we were receiving in public school because they, were, they can push whatever agenda they want to push. They can teach you whatever you want to, they want to teach you, and you have no control over, over that. And he was really concerned about that education, so he, we were believing God for better education. So the Lord gave us a school. Did you know that we used to have a school? Well, who was around for the school? Remember that? Atlanta Metropolitan Cathedral, uh, Cathedral Academy. We, we believe God for a school. The school was connected to the church. Wouldn't that be awesome if we revived a school again? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, so we can teach our, the next generation the word of God and how to their, their CPA, their calling, their purpose, and their assignment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we believed, we believed, we were believing for a bigger, a bigger facility, and, and we got, we went from Mercer and we came here. There's so many, there's so many um, things I can think of that happen at that family altar. The family altar is a place of uh, critical conversations where we, where, we, where we teach the next generation the Lord's power, how to believe God and how to instill faith in others. I learned faith from my father. I learned faith from my father's prayers at that family altar. We all did, right? Uh, so those are some testimonies. Uh, number three, uh, the family altar is a place for prayer, praise, and petition. Prayer, praise, and petition. Prayer, you know what prayer is. Where you, where you, where you, mm, 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 mm. where you give your all to God. Where you 
take whatever you need to the Lord in prayer, where you take what you have. You don't even have to, it doesn't have to be a need. You just, prayer is just being there, being in relationship with the Lord, being there with him. Being in conversation with the Lord is enough. He has what, what, what we need. He's going to give us what we need. But just being there in relationship with him is more important than anything. Prayer. Uh, the altar is, is a place of prayer. It's also a place of praise. Uh, praise where you make God the biggest. Praise is where it decentralizes self. Praises declaring the worth of God. Uh, he's worth all of the praises in every tongue, in every generation, every tribe, every nation, all over the world because he paid the highest price. We praise him because he let them talk about him. He let them beat him, spit on him, call him names. He let them whip him, tear his flesh. He let them strip him, embarrass him in public. He let them nail his hands. He let them nail his feet, pierce his side. And the whole time he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. And he stayed there. And he had the heavenly host on his side who were waiting to make a move. Just say the word, Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine the heavenly host ready to intervene in that situation? He said, no, I'm staying right here because I want to set him free. I want to set her free so that she can live a free life. He can live a free life. And he stayed there for you. And for me, and that's why I love him. That's why I praise him. That's why I adore him. That's why I give him the glory. Because he first loved me. His love never fails, always remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He was there. He already, he already thought about us before the beginning of time. He loved us before the beginning of time. His love has remained the same through, through thick, through thin, through good, through bad. God has remained. His goodness is forever. That's why we praise him. Is that good? Take a second right there. Praise the Lord right there. Well, we praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. Praise belongs to you because you paid the highest price. Uh, yeah, that's a place, of praise, a place of praise, a place of petitions where we ask the Lord for what we need. We ask the Lord for what we need. Whatever you need, God will supply. Whatever you need, the Lord has for you. Hallelujah. He has it all in, in his hands, and all you have to do is ask everybody who knocks, everybody who asks, everybody who seeks, they'll find. Hallelujah. He has all of those things for us. It's a place of thankfulness where we thank the Lord, where we worship him, where we trust in him, where we render our prayers, we send our petitions, we praise and worship him, and it's a, it's a place where we trust the Lord. 
Um, I learned all of these things at my family altar. I learned how to praise God from my, from my mom. Because uh, any, any, given, any given Saturday, she would be in her bathrobe, right? And uh, all right, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> and you can hear my mama praising God to the top of her lungs. Hallelujah. God, you're good. God, you're worthy. This isn't her bathrobe now. God, you're awesome. God, you're amazing. On time, God. You know, she, 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 you know, old school praise. You know, they go, they go, it take right in real quick, real quick. You know, I learned how to praise and worship from, from my mom. I learned, I learned how to be still from my dad. To be still in the presence of the Lord. To listen to God. I watched my dad listen to God. In perfect silence. It, but the, but, the, but the, it was just thickness in the room. It was this, it was this anointing, this presence in the room. God was in the room. And he would listen to God. And God would tell him these things. And, and, and I watched my dad. I learned stillness from, 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 uh, from my dad. At the table, at the table of, of the Lord which was our, our, our dinner table, our family altar. We would worship the Lord together. We would sing. It's a place of singing. It's a place of worship. We would, we would sing and we would, we would believe God together. And we would trust God together. When I saw these things and I witnessed these things, I took these things into my own family that I have now. When I you know, got, old, got a little bit older and got my own family, I took these things into my family without conversation. I just started doing it. it was, it's, a, it's a wonderful, powerful thing how that happens. When, when you see something and you, 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 you know, a lot of people, when you're learning, a lot of people will do what you say. Some people do what you say, but most of the time they're going to do what you do. So we learn those actions from our parents. So naturally, I took that, that uh, family altar in my family. So me and my wife, we were, we were, uh, we had one car. We had a red Impala, four-door Impala. And that four-door Impala would break down at the drop of a hat. It was smoking and it was stinking. And the engine would, would one time I lifted up the hood and the smoke was all the way up in the sky and on the side of the highway and everybody was looking at me. I was like, Lord, have mercy. So we were believing God for another car. That same car we took to Honda. Before we took it to Honda, we, we, we believed God together. We believed God together at the family altar. And we watched God do a miracle. We took our, that car, that car that had so many problems, and they gave us, we sold that car to Honda, and they gave us two cars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was, it was a crazy, crazy, uh, amazing deal that doesn't exist. She got a Civic, and I got a, uh, a CRV, a Honda CRV. And we were able to do, do what we needed to do because she was going one way, I was going another way. So we needed you know, two cars, but you know, we had to figure out together at, for a time. Okay, so after we, after, after we got that, those two cars, we were believing God for our kids. The, the doctor told my wife that she wouldn't be able to have kids. So they said, the only way you will be able to have kids is in vitro. And, and, and we were like, oh, Lord, you know. So, so my wife gets pregnant. She got pregnant. And, and, uh, and so we were like, 
well, well, God is good. God is good. And we're walking along with this pregnancy, but the baby gets stuck in her tube, right? She had an optopic pregnancy. And so we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, either one or two things needs to happen. We need to take this baby, or the baby's going to take you. You got a decision to make. So we decided to take the baby. So we lost that baby. And it was a, that was a tough time. That was a tough time, time of loss. So we took that, we took that sorrow to the altar of the Lord. And we walked through a time of sorrow at the altar of the Lord. And the Lord helped us to process our emotions, to process our pain, to process our anger, to process the, the hopes that, that, that was deferred. And, and so I went to my father's family altar again. I said, Dad, I don't know what to do. I, we, we're in this situation. So he said, I want you to go back to your altar. He said, I want you to lay your hands on your wife every night without fail and believe God. Hallelujah. I'm speaking to somebody's heart right now. I'm speaking to somebody's situation right now who has had hope deferred who is hoping for kids. He said, every night, lay your hands on her womb. Doctor said, no, y'all can't have kids. Uh-uh, you can't, you can't, you, you're not going to be able to do it. So I did what he told me to do. I laid my hands on her stomach every night, and I declared that her womb was fertile, and I declared the promises of God. I read the word, and I declared God. I told him he wasn't a liar, that, 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 that he was going to answer. And I, and I thanked him, and I praised him for the child, that it was going to bring us so much joy, and that I would give my life to raising a godly generation. There were some things that I had to do. I had to, I had to commit my life to a life of faithfulness before God at the altar. So I had to change some things in my heart. Some things had to go. I had to, I had to, I had to uh, get rid of some things that I was, I was dealing with in my, in my life. I could, I could talk about those things. I'll bring up those things shortly here. But I had to get rid of some things. And so when I did, I got this thing in my heart. I got this rejoice in my spirit. And we went to the doctor, and the doctor told us we were pregnant, and Siani and Christopher are here. Hallelujah. That's a miracle. That's Jehovah Rapha's work. Yeah, 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 yeah. The healer, the healer, the healer. He, he gave us kids. And they are beautiful demonstrations of young people who love God. Keep going, man. There's so many things I can think of at the family altar. Current one is the accident. Lord, spare my life. When, when I hit that car, and I thought I was gone. And Chris woke me up, and, and uh, we got out of there. And, and he didn't have a scratch on him. And, uh, and I'm here standing before you. There's so many things that we prayed for at the family altar protection. You get so many things that, 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 that you take to the altar. Last thing is the altar, the altar, the family altar is a place of family purity. Family purity. The family is an altar place, excuse me. The family altar is a place where you can deal with the conviction of sin, repentance, and forgiveness in your family and in your generation. James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. 
cleanse your heart. It's a place where you deal with generational sin, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. It's a, it's a, it's a place where you exchange. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exchange. It's a place where you, where, you, where you take those idols to God, those things that you, you were putting, putting before him. In exchange, you, you get the Holy Spirit. You get the guidance of God. It's where you can deal with the, the sins that plague the family. You know, the enemy has only a couple of things that he deals with, the same, the same devices. Lust of the flesh, the pride of life, lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Those are only a couple of things. You know, it's a couple of tricks. He got the same tricks for every generation, right? And, 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 and family altar is a place where you can get purity for your family and deal with those things. We went to this Todd Delaney concert. I'm almost done. We went to this Todd Delaney concert. And so they call this altar call for uh, things that are inappropriate that you shouldn't look at. And so both of my kids run down to the altar. And I, immediately I said, what? This, what? this is what my mind said. What you been looking at? I'm going to whoop your butt. This, this is what I said in my mind. I'm going to tear your tail up. When we get out of here, I'm going to tell you, you've been looking at what? So, we, so after, after it's over, they, they repent and, and we, they get prayed for. After it's over, we have this time of family altar in the car and we start talking about, I asked them a question. I said, this, this is the place where you can talk about anything. Right now, you will not get a whooping. You can say anything you want to say. So they look at each other like, for real? <laughs> now? <laughs> I said, yeah. So then they start talking about the things that they were watching. And they start talking about how they were exposed to those things. And so they went through it, and it was, it was heart-wrenching to hear it, you know. But then the Lord talked, started talking to me about love and about forgiveness and how many times have you been in the same place and about this is something coming through the generational line that they're having to deal with that's coming to them because sin comes to visit the third and the fourth generation and it's a generational thing so here it is it's the representation of it in my family and so I'm faced with how to deal with it. so I'm asking Lord, Lord how do I deal with this right now what do I say and he just talked, he started talking about his love, how his love is patient, his love is kind. His love doesn't ever give up. God is a friend no matter what. He forgives how many times? Seventy times seven, over and over and over. His love never fails, never runs out. So I start talking about the love of God and, 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 uh, Repentance and forgiveness. So they started, they, they, they admit what it was. They asked for forgiveness. And then we prayed. And then we hugged them at the family. This all happened at the family altar. It is a place where you can deal with generational sin. Oh, this is helping somebody today. Is it helping? It's helping? It's okay to clap. Yeah. 
so yeah, it's, it's a place of family purity. It's a place of family purity. I'm, I'm, I'm going to speed up just a little bit. because I'm going to speed up just a little bit. All right, why do we need it? We need the family altar because it strengthens. We, first, I told you what it was. Why do we need it? We need it because it strengthens relationships with each other. And with each other and God. Family altars are important because... It's important for one generation to teach the next generation how to, how to serve God, how to love God. Joshua 1, 24 and 15 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This, ver this verse highlights the responsibility of parents to lead their families in serving and worshiping God. Uh, it, helps, it helps. Why do we need it? It helps strengthen the family relationships with, with each other and with God. Uh, and it teaches, teaches, teaches us how to relate to each other and how to relate to God. Uh, the second thing, it, re it resolves conflict and changes hearts. Why do we need the family altar? Because at the family altar, it's a place where it resolves conflicts and changes hearts. Sometimes there are situations that seem impossible uh, to handle. And, and sometimes we just forget that we serve a God that are, that's bigger than our problems. Sometimes we put the place, the problem, bigger than, bigger than the Lord. And, and, and sometimes we, we have to be reminded, don't worry about anything. Instead, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then, the, then you will experience the peace of God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will come on you when you, when you pray instead of worrying. That's what my family did. See, I, it was a time where I left my father's house. I'm going back now. Where I left my father's house, and I decided to go on my own way, and I went out into the world like the prodigal son, and I wanted to sow my royal oats, right? So I was out there doing God knows what, God knows who, at the wrong place, the wrong time, with the wrong people doing the wrong thing, right? So, so, so my mom and my dad, my, my dad and my mom said, all right. It's time. It's time for my son to come home. And at that family altar, they believed and they prayed. And that's when I called them. That same week, I called them. And the Lord started doing a work in my heart. And he started changing some things in my life. Because they stopped worrying and they stopped believing God. It resolves conflict and it changes heart. It changed my heart. It changed my heart into, into loving God. And I am who I am today and serving right here right now because of, of the family altar. Uh, last one. Yeah, I skipped out. Uh, this is the last one. Uh, why do we need it? For spiritual, physical, mental health. <laughs> a family altar is a place for physical, spiritual, mental health. When your family members take time to share their hearts with, you, with each other, it helps everyone feel valued. Coming together in his love offers a set time to find out what is happening in each other's lives, discover one another's needs and dreams, and gives an opportunity to show we care about each other. To consider taking the time to hear from each other before launching into prayer. It's, a, it's good to start by asking questions to break the ice and and to, and to uh, get communication started. Some examples, these are some examples of the questions that you may ask. What, 
is on your, what is pressing on your heart right now? These are some of the questions. These are some of the questions that will engage your memory at the altar so that you can pray for. Then this, is, this will help you when you're building yours. Who in here has already established a family altar from what I'm, from what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, these are some of the questions that you can ask, you know, in your own family altar. In establishing your own family altar. What is pressing on your heart? What are you thankful today for? Is there anything you are hurt or disappointed over? What do you need to do? What do you need God to do for you this week? If anyone has need of prayer for physical healing, you can pray for them for healing. Okay? I know, babe. I'm almost done. <laughs> yeah, you, it's a place where you can talk about miracles, a place you can talk about, about uh, answers, where God, things that God, have done, God has done. Yeah. So the way that I'll give you a couple of two tips so you could, you could start a family altar. Just raise your hand for those of you who does not have a family altar by show of hands. Who does not have a, who has not has established a family altar? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We didn't call it a family altar, but, but I, just, I just learned about this. So let me give you some tips on how you can start a family altar. You can ask a simple question to your family members. You can, you can text this. What do you need from God? What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God for? That's how you can open up that question. And then you can send them another text and say, can we have a FaceTime we can pray together? Or can we get together and pray together and pray, pray for these things? And that is the beginning of a family altar. And you can do that over a meal, or you could do that on the phone, a FaceTime, or a Zoom. And that's the beginning of, of creating an environment where your family can be in relationship with God. And not just your family, they're gonna learn how to, all of the parents are gonna be with the, with the kids and the kids are gonna do the same thing with their kids and they're gonna teach the kids to do the same thing. Now we're creating a godly generation, a godly lineage. So I got a question for you. What issues of prayer do you need to bring up, to deal with generational curses in your family? What things do you need to bring up in your family altar? I'm, I'm raising this question this way because it, 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 it allows you to identify what's going on in your own personal life or what's going on around you that you need help with. What issues of prayer do you need to bring up and deal with Generationally, generational curses in your family. What conflicts are you having? What relational conflicts are you facing where there's no unity? What cr critical conversations need to be had? Where are there broken relationships in your family or in your home? Where some people are just angry with, with each other or angry, angry at God? What issues of family purity need to be dealt with? 
Where are the places of, of, uh, that need to be dealt with in prayer concerning uh, family purity? Could it be drunkenness? Could it be sexual immorality? Could it be pornography? Could it be anger? Could it be adultery? Could it be appetites? Could it be gluttony? What issues need to be brought up in prayer for your family? By show of hands, is there one issue that needs to be brought up in prayer? If there is, can you do me a favor, stand to your feet. If there is, if you, if you, what you heard today, if you heard an issue in prayer, in your, if you heard an issue that needs to be brought to the altar, where you are dealing with something in your life or in your family that needs to be dealt with, and today we'll have the opportunity to begin the family altar in, in, ta in, in dealing with those things. I, I think that this moment is special because uh, the Holy Spirit always identifies those things and, and is faithful to, uh, to start dealing with those things. Uh, how should we do this? Should we come down? Should we stay right where we are? Let's see. Come, yeah, come down here. Come down here. Let's come down here, if you will. 